That's my chain. Talk shit at this part. About how like the world didn't see it coming. That's my chain. Now you know this fresh, right? You didn't know. I'm so wild. They call me for local, so local. Where they do Aloha, Square Hive, and hello, D. Hi. <laughs> Hi, how's your day? Um, okay, I'm just enjoying a wall, a window unit air conditioner that I, um, my fiance installed yesterday, so that feels nice. Yeah, is it is it hot in Wisconsin? I thought it was raining. Um, it's like 80 degrees and humid and sunny today in my area, anyway. Oh, I see, I see. <laughs> yeah, um, I have a couple friends in Florida right now. One's there for grad school and one's there for like a work trip and dude I forgot how weird it is when it's humid it's like <laughs> not quite cold but it's it's not cold at all but it's like also not like hot hot it's just yeah hot, like muggy true yeah so it's like Very it makes you feel like you're hot but you're you shouldn't be or something I don't know yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a it's a weird temperature um kind of adjustment situation yeah I'm really it's here it's it's not super sunny it's like overcast right now in san diego um i cleaned up my apartment a bit yesterday cool because <laughs> yeah because um i <laughs> my my dad and my brother are supposed to be flying in tonight they are vastly annoyed with me although oh. my sense, i haven't had therapy in like three weeks and it shows <laughs> like I'm oh yeah hard. I, I can't go that long without it either without acting my mom is always saying, like, you haven't had therapy in a while, haven't you? Like, if I'm acting all irritable and bitchy. <laughs> well, the thing is, like, people are like, why don't you just journal? Or why don't you just have, like, do one of those, like, online uh, therapy things? To which I say, first of all, <laughs> online therapy is super mediocre. <laughs> it is. Secondly, yeah. I already have the online, ver- like, I, I haven't seen, a th- like, I haven't physically, like, been in a therapist's office in a long time. I, I have therapy over the phone because I started therapy again during COVID. Oh, yeah. Um, You know, and like when I moved here, (laughs) weirdly, uh, when I moved to San Diego from my parents' place, at my parents' place, I was going to like two therapists and like not doing very well. And then I moved here and lo and behold, most of my symptoms just went away. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) I mean, it was definitely environmental. I was like, I gotta get out of here then. And, you know, some nonsense. And then, you know, they got COVID and I decided to go back into therapy because I was like, I got to repair my relationship with my parents. It's in, you know, neutral bad territory. I got to make it a neutral good territory. Now we're just at neutral. <laughs> <laughs> neutral is better than nothing, I guess. <laughs> yeah, no, I thought so too, but I'm getting mixed reviews from people because oh. <laughs> my family is wild, dysfunctional and stressful. I'm the problem. And I'm like, I don't know what to tell you. Uh, most of my stuff is in response to a lot of stuff that happens. And yeah. then I go out into the world and people can sense the vulnerability <laughs> and the brokenness. And oh. uh, they don't play around and they really just uh, kind of mess with you. Um, which is why I think it was great that we're going to do the LDR album <laughs> review. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'll be doing it with my uh, essays from class. I, I, you don't have to do all that work. You listen to the album. That's not, that's enough. Um, okay. So yeah, but we can, I can tell you what they are, what the essay, some of the essays are that we read. Some of them are weirdly locked, but that's fine. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, I'm, I'm sure I can Google them later. Um, and look for them, etc. So these were a few of them. There was like uh, one from the Mentor and Muse. Um, 
magazine, I assume. Essay, essays from Poets to Poets, uh, and it's called Poetry of Withness, The Cathedral Effect by David Keplinger. So that's essay one. Um, there's also Close Calls with Nonsense, How to Read and Perhaps Enjoy Very New Poetry. Um, and that is uh, kind of its own its own vibe. These are all like super long essays. I was going to pick out some of my quotes and then talk about them and the album. But I liked, and then there's a couple other essays. Um, but I just wanted to mention that I really liked, D what you said about the album in our convo. Did you want to like elucidate on that a little bit sure um um for me like i know that this song was um from different reviews i read and stuff this one was a fan favorite with not just me it was a song on the album called kin uh let's see kinsu let me i'm gonna make sure i'm pronouncing this correctly kinsugi yeah um and yeah and um it's the jap in J- Japanese, that's like the tradition of filling in cracks with gold, um, trying to sh- trying to make something broken beautiful. Um, so that, all, of course, has kind of loaded meanings when uh, applied to people. Um, and in her song, I liked how um, I read that she wrote it about when she was visiting, I think it was her grandpa when he was in hospice care. So it kind of showed how she began to think about missing him, and then she began thinking about missing her exes, and other people who you probably it's funny how you how you begin to mix miss ex-boyfriends or whatever even if they sucked uh (laughs) just because you begin thinking about them and thinking oh maybe maybe they weren't so bad i'm seeing everything through Uh, glasses now i was gonna say yeah well aren't they called graduation glasses or something like it's called called something or other it's called either called a um yeah it's it's not it's like rose colored glasses but i think you're right i think they're gradu- i think they're called graduation goggles that's yeah <laughs> that's what they should be called <laughs> but i just um, thought it was really um i don't know she kind of like brought lots of elements of nostalgia in there like um and just all the um let's see let me look at the lyrics real quick um yeah she mentions things like about childhood like the song froggy came a courtin or the um you know like folk songs that you want to heard when you were a kid um and she's thinking of the mountains that she used to like to go running in when she was a kid and um yeah it just reminded me of like how i i tend to whenever there's a death especially i tend to get really really nostalgic for anything in the past even if it wasn't that great and um in a way it seems like she's like trying to fill the past in with gold almost um and then it vaguely reminded me, just because, you know, almost everything has to remind me of Catcher in the Rye, of the yeah. line when Holden says, um, never tell anybody anything or you'll start missing everybody. And that's kind of true. I've always liked that line <laughs> because it's like, I mean, yeah, say what you will about the book or J.D. Sonder, but it's like, yeah, that line is just so true. <laughs> it's, well, that's the, yeah, that's the wild thing, because when you share something with people, right, whether it's poetry, art, music. Uh, your stories your secrets yourself um that person then has that part of you whether you kind of and and has their own perspective on that part of you yeah right their own opinion their own um kind of what they're coming into it with and one of the reasons why I believe people make art or express themselves through art is in order to either I don't want to say control the narrative, but to even have a narrative. Yeah. Um, 
And one of, one of the things I like about LDR, Lana Del Rey, <laughs> um, <laughs> well, one, it's really hard to make it in popular culture uh, and, like, succeed, firstly. So pr- shout out to that. Two, she kind of sees through the bullshit and comes out on the other side making pretty things and art and and kind of conveying some sense of truth and yeah. doesn't just write about like doesn't just write like power ballads for women I stand Swifties though you know why they are loyal their fan they, base is oh yeah wildly loyal they will take down John Mayer they don't give a shit <laughs> I know there was a a Swifty at the treatment center I was at once and she was like, you know, she was like hardcore, like every shirt she had seems to have something about Taylor Swift on it. And yeah, it was was kind of funny. Yeah, Yeah, that level of fandom might, that might be a cult. (laughs) Yeah, might be. (laughs) Could be a cult, Um, you know, and honestly, everything's very culty these days. Um, Later today, I have to go to a uh, practice for a hooding ceremony (laughs) in which, um, which I don't know why I have to get hooded, but it sounds cool. Uh, and also, honestly, I like a little pomp and circumstance. Like, yeah, yeah. give it up. <laughs> you I know? know. I mean, the um, only criticism I had about my graduation gown was that it was white and I wanted it to be red. But other than that, oh, I, yeah. I, you know, I, I like the whole thing. Yeah. Well, and then also, like, you know, I want to make sure that I'm like you know not embarrassing myself during the graduation <laughs> ceremony I I honestly think that having so, like you know if you embarrass yourself at least people remember you <laughs> true yeah no I don't want to I don't want to think like that that's a <laughs> fucked up thing to think but essentially that's kind of what you know um LDR's albums are sometimes she talks about like you know things that she's been embarrassed or experiences yeah. that have been embarrassing and I'm like you're right, Lana. Like, you're right to, to leave socials. She left the socials, like, a while back, like, a couple years that's ago. That's smart. Um, that's, uh, the thing about embarrassment actually reminds me of, I don't know if she has any influence from Tori Amos or not, but in the early 1990s, Tori Amos released an album called Little Earthquakes, and um, I think one review co- co- reviewer called it a chronicle, of embar- a chronicle of embarrassment, or maybe she even said that about it but it was about things that embarrassed her but at the same time it was like her best work because it was like personal yet um universal at the same time like super (laughs) confessional type situation yeah of course yes of course she it made her into the typical confessional songwriter um but yeah yeah i honestly i've been told that sometimes my a lot of times especially these this past year my um poetry's been quote-unquote confessional and that makes me feel weird because I yeah sometimes it is but sometimes it's about like six or seven different things put together that are confessional and it's not about like one person or two people or even really any like individuals or like circumstances it's just about like the particular emotion that it evokes and also about just the nature of the time that we're in too like anything we create during this time will probably go down in history because it's post-pandemic you know yeah um and anything I created during the pandemic will also go down in history let's be real but I also think that there's this weird like uh discrepancy between like how people view art and production and consumption and like the way that people consume music too because and the industry itself which is why I think that LDR opted out of a lot of stuff because yeah he actually had a feature in one of Taylor Swift's songs 
And oh, really? It was the yeah. It was the it was the one about the snow, snow on the beach. Oh, okay, yeah. So she was in that, but she wasn't really like you know. Even you were like, really, like you know, she wasn't really in that. You know, she was yeah. kind of like on the <laughs> on the sort of sidelines there, which <laughs> I thought was a good move because you know it's kind of hard to have a crossover. Uh, you know, like what we're gonna battle Taylor Swift and Lana Del Rey now. Like, let's not. You know, that's gonna cause a lot of strife. <laughs> it seems like people, uh, like the media, loves to pit female artists against each other. Though it's like, uh, not that's not just the media. That's also academia. Let's be real. Oh yeah, <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> yeah. And like, yeah, and like workplaces and corporations and uh, parties. <laughs> yeah. Any social situation. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody loves a cat fight. Ugh. Oh, God. Yeah, dude. F that. Like, I, I have always wanted to and been in support of women until and unless they try to fuck me over. And then True. I'm like, fuck around and find out. Um, yep. <laughs> but only karmically. I would never, like, you know. And also, I try to have compassion for the ones who are, like, younger than me and, yeah. like, seemingly have a lot more going on or, you know, like, I don't know their lives. And I like, know. I don't want to, like, you know. I don't want to like be or even ones who are like super a lot much older than me because you're supposed to have like you know like compassion yeah like respect and I do I do have compassion and respect and I also have like a lot of like uh bad experiences (laughs) so um and honestly I'm kind of I don't know if I'm shaped by them I think I'm always gonna be the person that I am like at heart but I also think I want to like hide away now. Like I can see why Emily Dickinson self-exiled. Like, oh yeah, seems seems appropriate. Also, like people published her stuff without her consent posthumously. That's some bullshit. I know. Um, oh, I was um, speaking of Emily Dickinson. I was doing these Jungian archetype cards the other day, and uh-huh. my two pro- most prominent ones were the were hermit and scribe. And then I thought a hermit scribe. That's that's Emily Dickinson. So, dude, what is a, what is what is this a uh, union? What are you talking about? Oh, Carl Jung. Um, oh, yeah. Union. And he, I thought yeah. you said union, and I'm like, no, union. Oh, like no, no. Life? union. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, that's a that's a cool that's a cool personality. Uh, you know, combo is what you're talking about, right? The um hermit oh, and the scribe. Yeah. I want to know what archetypes I am. That sounds interesting. I like yeah, it's pretty fun. <laughs> I like looking through that kind of stuff because mm-hmm. it helps me understand myself better. Um, and then therefore, when I go out into the world, I'm less annoying. Yeah. I was I was really annoying in my in my MFA program. So if you're listening oh. to this and and you're in my MFA program, I'm aware <laughs> of, of what was going on. But I honestly thought, for the most part, um, that that over participation uh was probably like a response to feeling some type of way about not like about me myself and an artist but or like a poet but just like from all of the stuff that occurred during the pandemic like there was so much that happened and kept happening and there was very little time or um inclination for people to allow others to process what they were feeling And like poetry and music, um, you know, speaking of LDR, uh, is a way to process stuff and make good mm-hmm. art. And and like, um, and I don't know, there's been a lot of sort of ways that I've been interacting with art and I enjoy it. But I also, it can get overwhelming if you're like 
being like told to do stuff a certain way that isn't like craft oriented or like you know information it's more just like policing people's behaviors or policing people's like you know uh methods of trying to get stuff done because we all know that the rules are largely uh applied if and when um they are deemed necessary onto people and some people the rules don't apply to them or they can get around them um and that that's always awkward so yeah (laughs) i think that's what the tunnel <laughs> the tunnel means. Let's talk about the title. Oh, yeah, um, there, I had to look up what this tunnel was, and it was like apparently it's like a tunnel that has mosaics on the ceiling and stuff, mm-hmm. which is kind of cool. Um, hidden art. Yeah, we love hidden, to see it. We yeah, love to see it. we we love to see a hidden art piece. Yeah, <laughs> I I find hidden art everywhere I go, and that's how I know that art has an impact because. Um, you know, especially if I like don't have my phone and I'm just on my own some and I'm exploring and just like keeping my mind open, but also keeping myself aware. Like I see art, especially in San Diego, you see art everywhere. Cool. Do they have also wall murals and stuff? They do. There's this octopus that is outside of the PB Shore Club. (laughs) And (laughs) I remember like being really not fixated on it, but I was really into it. And I was trying, (laughs) my friend was like, uh, you know, wanting to like, you know, do fun clubbing type things and I was like yeah we could do that too uh like is there an octopus on this wall (laughs) it was like a it was a it was like a tile mosaic octopus I think I saw the picture of it yeah and then there's like what like that's the cool thing I want to go art hunting um when I'm when I'm done with my um you know all of my obligations for my master's in fine arts in creative writing I'm like yo I don't know about fine arts uh in terms of like um you know, visuals and, and such. And, and like, I know people, there's like kind of these high-end poetry readings that people go to. Oh. I did a lot of that kind of stuff in Berkeley and it was okay. Like I, yeah. the crowd was a little bit um, different than the ones that are more underground. And then you can go to like the more like middle ground ones too. And honestly, I've been to maybe like hundreds of poetry readings by now. And I love and, and enjoy and appreciate every single one of them. Absolutely. I also think that some of them can be a little bit like I don't know they're they're too like insular you know oh yeah it's like a secret little pretentious club or something I don't know I mean I don't um. know I don't know if they're if they start out that way like I think <laughs> that people are there genuinely for the love of poetry and the art when they want to be but I think that there's also this thing where um you know, somebody who's performing their poetry, like they're bearing or, you know, has an album or writing a song is like burying their soul a little bit. And yeah. And, uh, you know, especially if it gets to the level of <laughs> Lana Del Rey's album, like <laughs> and they're like, you know, profiting. And there's always going to be people who want to benefit from it without having some sort of like um, recognition or, or paying homage to the fact that it took a lot of effort and time and practice and skill and talent to get there and that it could have been um you know it could it takes something out of the artist especially if the artist is female like that is I mean look at Britney <laughs> like what happened there you know yeah. <laughs> um, that was a that was a whole vibe uh we're gonna have to talk about uh, like all, all of these people who have been, like, kind of subject to, like, the music industry and the art and um, culture and, like, lyric industry have to, like, get together and form a support group, I think. <laughs> I think so, yeah. 
<laughs> women are down bad in our generation dude like oh, i know it's like we lost the abortion rights that that was some bullshit um don't know if those are coming back by the way that's um yeah it's really scary to me it's actually caused me to have nightmares even though like i'm what? there's so little chance that i'll ever be pregnant it's not funny but i've had like several dreams in which i'm like pregnant and it's like the most nightmarish thing ever and i'm like just thinking what am i gonna do wow that's really, i'm sorry to hear that that sucks yeah usually things in the news don't affect me that much but for some reason this did so yeah well, i mean it's it's affects women kind of like like all women kind so i can see why because you know anytime like i feel that too because it's like you know how like rights are already so tenuous and so conditional <laughs> like they're not <laughs> rights anymore they're luxuries let's be real and um yeah it just it's rough because I think that people can be a little bit short-sighted about how it affects women and women artists to have to like take out what they're feeling put it on the page and have everyone like witness that and then like be expected to also (laughs) self-care and I'm like I know hold on a second (laughs) It's, it's too much yeah (laughs) yeah and then to do it over and over and over again and then kind of get like have it consumed and then dismissed consumed and then dismissed is like very tough um yeah so it's just it's a lot of expectation but it's also like how do you kind of then come back from that because the double standard is so real like I don't think there's any male artist that has done as much as LDR like I don't even know that much about her but I like her art and it was hard for me to like, and also this might be a bit of the bandwagoner in me, but I liked <laughs> people, the people who like her art are also pretty good artists and vocalists and like they recognize it for what it is, which is, you know, kind of how you were talking about how it's like religious, but ironically. Yeah, the, the Judah Smith interlude. Yeah, it's like I, I didn't even know who he was, like, so I had to look him up and it's I guess he made some homophobic statements in some of his um, oh, sermons. So some of her fans were like saying, why would you include this on here? And it's like, listen to the song and you can hear her laughing at what he's saying and, and like mocking him with her. Maybe some, I mean, it's like, it sounds like actual recordings of her with her friends at a sermon and they're making fun. So it's like people are missing the irony. <laughs> Well, and then also uh, one of the things that um, I also know is that one of the main reasons why people include other artists and collaborate is so that there is kind of this power in, uh, you know, you know, what is it? Strength in numbers kind of thing. Um, Yeah. And everybody, let's be real. Most people are problematic somehow. I had an anthro professor once and my anthro professor taught Madonna in the sixties. Whoa. <laughs> and, cool. Yeah. And he didn't even, he wasn't even a flex. He wasn't even bragging about it. It just came up organically in conversation. Um, and one of the things that I remember was that he was talking about how, you know, in society, like I'm sure he does, you know, the, he came up in a culture where there wasn't ubiquitous social media and people constantly self-promoting themselves and marketing themselves to get noticed. Yeah. Um, but he was like, well, you know, in my day, like, you know, not even in my day, he didn't say that I shouldn't be a jerk. He just said, <laughs> he, 
he said something else that was kind of weird though he was like yeah well you don't know me that well i could go home and beat my parakeet you don't know you don't know me at all i come out here and and say a lecture and then i leave you don't know me in my private life and i'm like damn prof you right (laughs) he was a cultural (laughs) anthropology professor um i don't know who people are and it's also like one of those things that I uh, I like noticed why and how people keep their kind of secret secret but I also know that you can't completely anymore because everyone especially if we're like if you're in like a group of people who are constantly being surveilled or people who like are marginalized or whatever whatever like your privacy is compromised you're yeah. if you're a woman definitely no one gives a shit and everyone wants to know what you're up to all the time like uh-huh. having privacy and boundaries is like an illusion almost so you kind of have to figure out how to like get better at your art and perform it in a way that people like don't just completely like bog you down with shit because people are pretty fucked up man and they're gonna place whatever like obviously Lana Del Rey's in the music industry so she gets over sexualized all the time yeah and like probably have to talk about it I don't know if like she should have included that interlude if that guy was super problematic I didn't know that about him but there are a lot of really problematic people in Hollywood and they continue to persist and they are making the culture so being problematic is inherently American (laughs) oh yeah (laughs) Um, or saying shit and then getting you know like ratioed for it uh either online or in real life or having that dynamic and for women it's like 1000 times more because everything is amplified um and you know like if you're a guy if you do like one or two good things or you appear to be good um that's something that you gotta like deal with too so it's true because they kind of get just for showing up they get credit (laughs) yeah it's um it's not as big of a deal it's like i don't know it's or it's more of a big deal kind of it's like i don't know yeah i guess just i guess like women seem like they're always like half invisible like no matter how much they try to be unless you're really hot if you're really hot you're hyper visible yeah it's it's true and that's and it's like I wonder if like they are purposely making themselves more visible, or is it just sometimes like I wonder like when people are extremely good looking, it's like are they aware of it? Or some of them it doesn't seem like they are, but a lot of them it does, and then like of course they'll play it up. But um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, yeah, I think that it's a little bit of everything, you know. Um, in SoCal because I've been living here now for four years. Yeah, the hyper-visibility factor of hot people, obviously, if you're hot, it's an advantage. But I've also had really hot friends who are just really mean, and I can see why. Because they (laughs) have expected their hotness to get them somewhere in life. But once they have that thing, they're dissatisfied. Because they had to work really hard at being hot to get there and realize that they're not in a meritocracy. And even if they were, their hotness has a lot more... Um, <laughs> merit <laughs> anything they've ever done ever <laughs> and that's a bummer because <laughs> I'm like yeah like you're right like women's value is in their is in their looks inherently sometimes men too because you know um, people are shallow but I also think that if we shape ourselves in a certain way like that is the res- and we're expecting that response that's how that works you know but then yeah 
yeah because like like I know we talked about your ED before and like I didn't want to like trigger anything by saying in the last pod episode about all the weight stuff because you know it's a different there's body dysmorphia comes in different you know uh different colors um pretty much every I want to I want to say every woman but most of the women that I've encountered have some sort of body dysmorphia in some way and I think it's because they're not getting like told enough that where they're at is okay I think most of the time the uh expression is you look good and also you could work on this you know yeah there's always like an a but yeah (laughs) yeah and and I know for me that's been a huge fact in my life like I can do all sorts of stuff all day every day and I do um, but with my mom and my dad, it'll always come down to how I look and what my appearance is, because people really give a shit about appearances and they don't really think that hard about you later. Um, mm, so true. being really attractive is really, really important <laughs> for a lot of reasons. But then also people expect you to also be not just attractive, but also like goodness. I think darkness is attracted to light, you know, in a lot of ways. Um Oh, yeah. Yeah. And people like, you know, sometimes that's why a lot of these like women that are singing and talking about men that have fucked them over, like, probably that's why they're getting fucked over. They're like, you know, good for the most part, because honestly, a lot of the mean people I know and the mean women, they (laughs) they have no problem finding dudes. I think guys love bitches sometimes. Um. <laughs> oh yeah, certain ones probably and, actually yeah get off on it. <laughs> yeah, and also like it's really funny because I think that for the most part, um, you know, a lot of times people they kind of like my friend was telling me earlier that you know she had um a dental emergency and had to get to a hospital real quick, um. And she couldn't find one, right? And so eventually what happened was that she went to, like, a dental school. And they fixed her up. But I guess she, like, looked really good that day. And she's like, yeah, people really only want to help you if you're hot. And I'm like, oh, no. um, Unfortunately, that's true. It's like even other women will usually help good-looking women more. Um, I've noticed, like, at the eating disorder hospital, I noticed that that the girls who were you know really good looking they did get treated better even subconsciously even, I don't know if the nurses and doctors were aware of it but even subconsciously they were treating them better and it's like it made me feel like crap yeah you know? like I just I don't know it just made me feel like I was just a pile of garbage um well you're not you're not a pile of garbage you're a lovely <laughs> person with a lot of talent and a lot of lot to offer the world and it's effed up that people don't recognize that and sometimes I can be guilty of not prioritizing people too when it comes to like I don't think I'm inherently shallow especially when it comes to like if I'm like in charge of like a bunch of people like I won't just like you know kick it with a cute one like that's not how that <laughs> works um but I will definitely like pay attention to literally everyone all the time if and when I can but only if I'm comfortable with them now like if I'm not yeah. if, if I'm uncomfortable with somebody like it doesn't matter how attractive they are <laughs> oh yeah that's that's true it's like so I mean I I dated some guys that we considered really good looking but like I couldn't stand being around them because of because they caused too much discomfort yeah so mm-hmm. that's that's true but I mean I I am more shallow than I wish I was though so it's, I guess everybody kind of is to a certain extent but I mean not yeah. everybody admits that they're shallow but everyone kind of is um 
but also <laughs> like standards are changing all the time and everyone has their own taste and everyone yeah. has their own like whatever whatever so it's really it's really just a matter of like how to navigate that situation in a life where um you know especially if you're living in a life where you have like you know talent skill and art to create and then also that production expectation is there and then also like you kind of are expected to show it to other people and then get kind of like critiqued for it and then hone it and then you know like all of those things are very I mean I know you talked about like confessional music and and stuff like that but all of those things are inherently confessional to the core and you know everybody wants to know and analyze and interpret stuff but uh, very few people actually want to like support the physical person. That's um, true. <laughs> unless uh, I mean, and unless they're good looking, of course. But um, like, do you think that if Sylvia Plath hadn't been pretty, do you think her poetry would have been like famous? I don't, I don't know. think she would have been able to have as many opportunities to go places yeah. that she did. Like how she had that internship in New York. Um, yeah. she wouldn't have attracted the attention of Ted Hughes who I'm convinced is still the real killer of her has anybody checked his alibi it's always the husband <laughs> <laughs> I think we were talking about that in class once we were talking about how Sylvia Plath like you know I was like you know like we I don't know I, I guess the <laughs> professor didn't want to like uh, have, you know have her commit suicide or whatever like I was like you know what I think that whole suicidal mess was Ted Hughes' fault it's a hot take and my classmate was like, what do you mean it's a hot take? Like, a lot of people in in Europe, like, thought that, like, there's a, you know, there's there's fan bases on both sides. And I'm like, yeah, but one's a dude. So he's always going to uh, have a fan base. <laughs> I know. It's true. And um, the weird thing is that his second wife that he that he left, the, the lady that he left Sylvia Foth for, she, she killed herself a few years later. I'm telling you, he murdered both of them somehow. It's, Has it's anybody so weird. checked his alibi on both? I didn't know that. She she didn't. She killed her their baby too. It no, was, it was it was like so Greek. It was like some kind of a Greek tragedy. Terrible. What did, what did Ted do to these women? Oh my! I God. don't know. It's like Good I'm Lord. wondering, like, what the what 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 kind of is he like hypnotizing them or something? It's like what the heck? Hypnotizing them with poetry. <laughs> 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 see words do have power, <laughs> they do. power. <laughs> that's really messed up man it is um, yeah like I don't want to be a man hater but like it's, no. it's, not that I, it's not that I hate like that necessarily I don't like care about like dudes and enough to hate them in that sense because you know we're all humans and women are super mean too also this talk of gender is very problematic because everyone gets to choose their their own gender expression etc um but I think that when it comes down to it like people are very uh focused or honed in on certain things when you're a woman and I think that's why LDR left the scene that's why she left it yeah um in in the song that she wrote called A&W I know that she's talking about being an, an American whore um and yeah it seems like she's saying that kind of ironically too, because it's like um, most women who are called whores are not, <laughs> you know. Um, yeah, I mean, I call myself an Edgar Allan Poe all the time. And <laughs> I don't think I'm hoeish at all. Like, I'm sure a lot of people have their, you know, like phases and stuff, and you know, this and that. But I kind of like, you know, playing up. First of all, over sexualization 
or hypersexualization is a trauma response. Let's be real. It is, uh, yeah. And secondly, uh, a lot of times people don't realize that, you know, those trauma responses are not like always at the behest of the woman's actions. Sometimes it's shit that happens to them. Society shaped them in some way. It's not always their decisions and choices that have been made. And then they're expected to kind of handle it with grace and respond with grace. And when yeah. they make an album <laughs> like this one, like LDR did, and then calls herself an American whore, there's a there's a part in that in that song that you're referring to where she talks about she could she could say that she's been raped and still no one would give a shit. Like, yeah, she's like saying like she says several times that she's invisible and um, that I think she mentions that she hasn't done a, it starts out with her saying she hasn't done a cartwheel since she was nine and. My first assumption about why she started that was probably that's when she started being sexualized when she was only nine, and if she did a cartwheel, overdress yeah. might fly up or something. You know, um, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, I was hyper like I I don't know if I was hyper sexualized, but I was sexualized to the point where my mom would get really really upset if any of my cleavage was showing ever. Oh, um, <clears throat> yeah. And so I would have to wear like a big ass sweatshirt everywhere I went. Um, I didn't get a bra until much later in life because my mom didn't want me to get me a proper bra. So, you know, oh, no. if you don't get a, well, if you don't get a bra when you start coming into your boobs, like they start growing really, really big because you don't have something <laughs> containing them. So I'm like, this was partly your fault. Also, we didn't know about like, you know, human growth hormone and milk back in the day. So that's probably oh. why I developed early. And, <laughs> and we, weren't, we weren't doing farm to fork uh you know organic uh non you know h uh yeah non- gmo whatever <laughs> yeah we weren't we weren't doing all that stuff we were getting our milk from a you know like the basic ass grocery store it doesn't matter yeah um so like a lot of the stuff like we are shaped by the society that we're same thing with the you know people being overweight and obese like what you think i'm not filled with microplastics <laughs> like <laughs> oh yeah probably uh, every year somebody you eat the size of a credit card of plastics which is disgusting <laughs> yeah yeah no exactly and that stuff doesn't break down that's in your body forever you know oh, i know um, so that's very upsetting and then also one of the things that i noticed uh especially with um you know men in regards to women is that women will always excuse men's behavior but women will never excuse another woman's behavior that's true like Um, actually my next door neighbor she's been the police have had to come twice to her house to help her for um, getting beaten up so bad by her you husband. You told me about this. What yeah. the hell is this? And yeah, it's like, you know, I, I looked out the window yesterday and they're, and they're together again. You know, she's still with them. I saw them and it's like, what? I'm sure that she's, ex- I'm sure that she's excusing his behavior and that makes me so sad. I mean, I know that's a, a common pattern with women and stuff, but it just still breaks my heart. You know? That is super upsetting. Um, yeah. How come, like, he's not in jail? Didn't he beat her? Well, he was in jail overnight, but I guess he got let go. She probably dropped the charges or something. Ugh. What? Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, dude. That's fucked up. I I mean, I get it because women and, and abuse, you know, um, it's hard to get out of that. It takes, like, seven tries, I've heard. Um, you know, and, like, I feel like women are in an abusive society, let alone an abusive relationship. Like, if they're, if they're constantly under threat of their, like, um, 
what's it called? They're right, like uh, rights getting taken away, reproductive rights taken getting taken away. If they still don't have equal pay, if they're still like they're not, we're not in a privileged class. Like as much as men want to be like, well, women get treated differently because you know they're women, so they get inherent. Pri-. I'm like, dude, no, there's no women privilege. That's not a thing. Like, calm down. No. It's like it's like reverse racism. That's not a thing. <laughs> People need to calm calm down about that because it's not. Um, and then also like when a woman responds in kind right like she's not beating anybody up she's just saying hey quit doing this thing to me all of a sudden she's the problem (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah it's like i mean i feel like the me too movement everybody's pretty much forgotten about it because they they just got so i don't know even my even some of my female friends and relatives were just saying like they're just taking down so many of these like good men and it's like how do you know they're good men it's like why are you defending them well, and then also the Me Too movement was a little bit Illuminati confirmed. Let's be real. Like, it, it happened a little too quickly and, and a little oh. too organized for it to be only just an offshoot of, like, you know, like, whenever there's, like, a movement or something, there's inherently going to be somebody who tries to exploit it, right? Like, that's what happened with BLM, where people, it started out as, like, oh. a you know real response to something. And then it got super exploited because people yeah. inherently want to exploit shit. Because That's true. Yeah. Um, because, like, when I was going to BLM protests, I think I went to one in Sacramento, and that one felt organic because there were, like, two girls, and they, like, created this thing because Philander Castillo had gotten shot by police officers, and then they were like, okay, well, we are feeling some type of way, so we're going to organize a protest, and we're going to go, and they did, and then my dad insisted that there were crisis actors there. And I'm like, there probably were because we're in a corrupt oh. system. Like, you know, I, I don't think the people that I was around were crisis actors. I ran into like activists and people who I'd been to school with and like, you know what I mean? But then yeah. after like the George Floyd killing and all these other killings and stuff, and then people going to protest for like 10 seconds and then nothing happening, no policy changing, nothing. I'm like, okay, well then clearly uh, we're all getting scammed somehow because... <laughs> You would think that there would be some policy change, some sort of um, anything, right, when yeah. people are getting murked. But, like, people get, you know, it, people get assassinated all the time. And then people's characters get assassinated and all this stuff. Um, it's it's not good. But it's also, like, very expected. Because then people are like, well, why'd you put yourself in a position to be exploited? And that's not what that is. Like. No. Yeah, so it's a real bummer, I think, because um, I think that, like, women can also be complicit, and um, it really be your own kind sometimes. I mean, that's why I had to move. Like, I was I was in a very, like, toxic, like, environment with people who were trauma responding to everything, and then I had to, like, manage that in addition to my own shit. I can't even manage my own shit. I try, but... Yeah with mental health being broken and shit all right so now i'm just ranting but what were some other favorites <laughs> um let's see the the first track actually I really liked someone called the grants i think it was about her own family yeah, yeah it was um, that was a good one too let me get yeah. the lyrics real quick the grants lyrics i remember it had some really pretty um piano instrumentation um <laughs> let's see i know she she seems to have lots of mountain imagery in here and then mentions um in another song mentions John Denver's Rocky Mountain High. Um, I found yeah. that interesting that she, the, the continual, oh, this is the song where she mentions Rocky Mountain High, yeah. Um, but let's see. Yeah, it sounds like it's talking about her 
it starts out with kind of like a sermon-esque feel um and she's asking do you think about heaven do you think about me um and when you leave all you take is your memory and it's like i thought that was interesting i hope you take your memory after you die um because i would i would like to still remember things after i die and be able to see people that i remembered um i don't know i know there's many different thoughts about afterlives but i would like to see people again um Mm, well apparently when the singularity hits everyone's just going to be uploaded to the internet so your loved (laughs) ones will never miss you but that's an interesting thought i don't know if people um will be missed like if you're when you're dead if you miss people that's an interesting thought yeah it's like i i don't know it's like sometimes if somebody appears in your dreams enough that that's dead you wonder oh do they miss me and they're just trying to visit or am i just thinking of them i don't know but um yeah, this song kind of reminded me vaguely of Kin- Kintsu- Kintsugi because it's yeah. like kind of nostalgic um, and talking yeah. about her family. Um, right. And I'm wondering if people became more nostalgic during the pandemic because they couldn't see others as much. So they began maybe thinking of things a little bit more rosily from how people were before. And I'm wondering if that's the reason why there's so much 90s nostalgia as well right now because it's like everything seems so much better before the pandemic. Um I don't know. Well, I think that people get nostalgic about certain feelings that they have. Yeah. Um, and then they, you know, they play those up, but they don't remember the bad stuff because there's probably bad stuff happening in that moment that takes precedence. Yeah. But they don't remember the former bad stuff. Um, because I do think that a lot of times people, they tend to, see things as transactional so we don't see what the other person is getting out of speaking to us but we see what they glean right afterwards and then we feel like some type of way and then our nostalgia kind of fades because oh wait a second (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah the best way to get rid of nostalgia is to reunite with somebody that you used to know in the past who you thought you really liked um I like mostly if it's like a boyfriend or something like that but um yeah yeah my 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 mom had a friend who was like trying to meet her again you know um after my dad died and she was like no I'm not gonna do it it's gonna ruin ruin whatever memories I had right (laughs) and I mean that's why having good interactions with people is really important and then like communication is really important because you don't want to fuck up somebody's like you know image of you or their perception of you because everyone has a different perception of people based on their interactions with them yeah and like sometimes those interactions aren't super positive but at the same time nobody has completely positive interactions with everyone all the time if you do then you're you might be psychotic because you might might be really good at acting um and Mm -hmm. that's really messed up so but I get the inclination, honestly, because people always want to know the quote unquote real you and the real whatever to get out the truth about certain shit. And I'm like, okay, but people are also in flux and you're allowed to change your opinion on stuff. Like, yeah, you know, like the guy in her interlude who was, you know, homophobic or whatever. Like if he was like, actually, I was just being homophobic because I I myself am gay. Um, <laughs> he probably had a lot of sympathy, you know, like public opinion changes so quickly and it so does easily and so people are so gullible and swayable and manipulated and 
that's honestly one of the reasons why I don't want to go out into the world anymore. <laughs> oh yeah, that's why I'm I'm pretty much a hermit. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I I'm extroverted, I suppose. I was reading the highly sensitive people's guide to dealing with toxic people, and I'm like, I don't oh. know if I'm the highly sensitive person or the toxic person. I don't know what the fuck. Like, probably it depends on who you ask. <laughs> like. <laughs> because i thought about because you know if you think about all these uh music things that people are listening to and saying and doing and like it's all like responses to what other people have done and said but they too are human you know um for example i asked one of my classmates to read a book review and even just now and like they agreed to it um and uh i was like okay i'm giving you this book for one of our presentations and uh, the condition is you gotta read the book review this ain't this didn't come free and then they just denied reading my book review and i'm like well i'm not surprised but i am disappointed because it's like you know especially if uh you know it's one of those things where hey like this was an explicit thing that you gotta do and then you didn't do it um it's disappointing but then at the same time like what am I going to do sit around and cry about it like no right now I got to go about my day and figure out how to get stuff done without feeling disappointed and I don't think anybody can make anybody feel anything but if something continuously is a pattern right and you're getting it from all sides you know you start thinking that you're the problem and that's very Mm -hmm. gaslighty because most of the time nearly all of the time it's not you know, I can tell that there's something else going on. Um, and then, you know, you got to burn a bridge and then keep going. But I'd prefer not to burn anything, you know. Um, I know. Yeah, that, that would be the that would be preferable. <laughs> that would be that would be ideal is to yeah. not burn any bridges. Um, or, you know, if the case is is that somebody is like, you know, very uh, astutely exploiting people and you point it out. And you're like, hey, this was exploitation um, <laughs> and no one cares, then you just, you know, you kind of turn into that person, too. And I don't want to do that either. You know, I know. I, I think I feel like I've turned into like a weird, like academic bully type person. And I don't want to do that. I don't want to be that like gross. Like just because that something happened, it doesn't shape my experiences forever and ever in every setting. Um, and I have to remember that, too, because you know, when you go out into the world, like, for example, like, you know, you've been to like several treatment centers at this point, I assume. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and at each one, there's been some type of issue, right? Like, um, yeah, basically all of them, there's been something that I thought was really ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, even if there wasn't any major issue, like, there's still this idea that it didn't work for you. So it wasn't something that you could pursue and do and get treated better for with your symptoms like that's not a failure on your part that's a failure on the system's part it's um yeah they just the problem that i have with most treatment centers is they are so um un they don't care about individuals and i know that's like basically all of society but it's like just the thing about not really seeing people as individuals just i can't get past that yeah they're not compassion based right yeah like yeah. they're not they're not they're just based on like scripts <laughs> yeah like you know if this person has this they go to point b if this person has this they go to point a you know they're kind of just like zoning you slash um it's a filtration system essentially um is what's going on 
And sometimes they filter you as a hopeless case. And that sucks because that's not true. Nobody is inherently hopeless. I hope not. <laughs> sometimes I feel no, that it's, way, it's but yeah. true. <laughs> no, 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 it's true. Nobody is inherently un unsalvageable or un, you know, like everybody has a right to exist, first of all. Secondly, uh, people sometimes play up more grace for people who maybe um, oughtn't be allowed it. And then they kind of don't give enough grace to people who probably should like, you know, I don't want to say deserve because I don't think anybody inherently deserves anything. But, you know, it's one of those things where like, you kind of have to be a little bit like, savvy about who's gonna like help you. But then people aren't disposable either. So like, it kind of feels like, um, like one of the treatment centers I went to, right, for depression and anxiety, etc. Like, they kind of I don't want to say kicked me out, but they kind of released me before I was like, okay with being released. And, and then had me like, you know, they're like, well, we gave you all this stuff. So now leave deal with your shit. And I'm like, okay, but isn't that kind of a failure on your part? And I don't know the reason why they did that. I don't think it had to do with me necessarily, but I think it had to do with like overall the systemic, like kind of stuff that was going yeah. on I, I, um, I've gotten kind of semi shoved out of places before I'm ready to and that that's that's horrible also because it usually just leads to a relapse well <laughs> and then what they did was they kept now they keep sending me these like you know open houses and invitations and stuff and I'm like oh, are you just boy. running a business like yeah are that's you just trying familiar. to yeah. <laughs> yeah and that's kind of messed up because I'm like hey I would have stayed and paid if you guys actually helped me properly but yeah like You know, I don't want to keep having to throw, I don't want to say like, you know, like throw my resources at something if it's just going to get thrown back in my face. But I'm sure people feel that way about me, you know, you know, like, so that's a weird dynamic to have because at the end of the day, the end goal should be somebody feeling better, not just in the moment, but long term. Right. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, it's, it's pretty messed up. But I also think that um, recognizing and self-awareness is not a bad thing, but our society tries to make it out to be like it is. It does, yeah. It's like it seems like um, the more kind of like of a blissful idiot you are, you know, um, ignorance, the ignorance is bliss thing seems to be the most um, accepted in society. I don't know. Well, and then also I think that people, they, they kind of like – and again, all of these generalizations, like, I feel like I have to disclaimer this now, because now we're not even in Lana Del Rey territory, we're just in people territory again. Um, But it just feels as though a lot of times, one of the, like, one of the things that I've noticed is even after, like, you've kind of moved past the situation, and you're in recovery mode, like, recovery mode isn't like a, you know, it's not a destination, it's a journey. And, like, if you've gone through stuff, which, you know, you definitely have, um, it's not okay to be dismissive of it or give it, yeah. like, 10 seconds of grace and then call it a day. Yeah. Like, that's not how that works. And, um, yeah. I was at a family, gather- a family gathering with my, um, with my fiancés the other day, and, um, his mom, she didn't. She knows very well about the, the history of like how my how my dad and sister killed themselves and stuff. And then she began talking dismissively or or or, or funnily 
about the like like the, like it was funny this scene in this man called this movie called a man called auto about when he you know failed at hanging himself and it's like my mom and i were like sitting right there and they were like just like laughing about the scene it's like it's not funny do you even did you do you even remember that we're here it's like you, yeah, you, you, gave, you, you gave me the ten seconds of grace, like in the past, but now it's like it's just I have to just forget about it, forget about everything that happened. It's like, ugh. yeah, <laughs> it's like that's their way of coping, uh, is the humor, and then they imposed it upon you, you know. Yeah. Um, and honestly, like that's a pretty um common like trauma response is to, or not even trauma response, but just like response in general, is to kind of like be dismissive by smiling or laughing at it and being like oh haha this isn't you know a big deal or whatever 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 um because people want to be polite and move on and not think about the problem right yeah (laughs) (laughs) that's what it is is they don't want to think about it and I I get the inclination but if you have to be in its presence at all times then nobody can really ignore it and um people don't like that I think they really don't People like distractions and being able to ignore stuff or, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. kind of just not deal with it or deal with it momentarily and then pass it on to somebody else and have you filter through a broken system <laughs> that inherently won't help you. Um, so you kind of have to figure it out on your own at the end of the day. But then people get really annoyed when you ask a bunch of questions and get really, like, annoying and loud about it, too. So what's to, what to do, you know? I know. It's like, it's like, yeah, there's no, there's no good medium, I guess. <laughs> well, and then people are like, well, then go through the right channels and protest and write letters. And I'm like, that doesn't work either. <laughs> I know. It's like that, that worked. Yeah. No, nobody ever responds. Well, the, the zoning through whatever and filtering, it's just um, another way to oppress one, like people. And, yeah. you know, like it's one of those quote-unquote games where once you get your foot in the door you like you know shut it behind you kind of thing and like that's really stupid because someone else is going to walk through that door and uh tell you what's up like it's it's really hard to navigate like any um thing that has social stratification which is why it's cool that Lana Del Rey can do that and still maintain a musical career and still you know, like when, like when she first publishes her songs, like when she first, like you know, puts out an album, like she puts out singles first, right? Oh, cool. And yeah. So sometimes I'll hear the singles and be like, "Oh, these are good. Why can't I access the rest of this music?" Capitalism, you know, <laughs> <laughs> music industry stuff. So then you have to go through and look for music that is better than that, or like not better than that, but you you know, you can actually find proper music somewhere. Um, and you kind of have to do that, like in an underground way because people love to like you know find that thing before you and be like I found it first and it's like dude I wasn't (laughs) even trying to like find it first or experience this moment alone you know know. (laughs) (laughs) like having a moment to yourself to have an experience or to just like be to exist is like so important and I don't think women get allowed that very much like even though she's off like the internet and this and that like there's still like you know people who like spot her places and i'll take her picture and then post it you know oh yeah things like that um and i don't know dude that seems very 
invasive and you know yeah it seems like you're trying to like I don't know, make fun of the fact that she wants to be private by like trying to exploit it or something. Yeah. Well, one way to be one way to be private is to be aggressively mediocre and then no one will pay attention to you. <laughs> so <laughs> that's that's <laughs> and uh, or to perform aggressive mediocrity. But if you perform <laughs> aggressive mediocrity, then that's what you become. So it's very important not to perform <laughs> in an aggressively mediocre manner. But it's also important not to, like, what people would call gatekeeping, which is, like, you know, not talking about your stuff or where you got your sources. Or I always answer people's questions or, like, say yes to stuff unless there's, like, a solid reason why not. Yeah, you know? definitely. Yeah, it's, um, yeah, I'm probably overly open sometimes, but, yeah, I don't – certain people I'm not, but, yeah, usually I'm pretty – yeah, I usually just always admit if I did something. Sometimes probably. Right. And, and like I said, like, there's too many imbalances in this world for me to not give grace to people if and when I see it. Like, for example, this happened in Sacramento, by, for example. Um, I was, you know, there's a, I don't know if you've been, I'm sure you've been in the airport at some point, right? Yes. Okay. So they didn't used to have this, like, a long time ago, but um, now they have, like, a train taking you to the terminal when you get to the airport, and like there was somebody who was it was already really packed there's somebody who's trying to make a little tram thing to take you to the um to the terminal thing and like the door started closing on her and people were just kind of like looking at her and what is this why are you just like staring at this lady like help her through the door thing and i was like hey are you okay like well you know people are when they're at the airport, they're already in, like, heightened survival mode, kind of, you know, because it's, like, True. whatever. But, like, you know, because, you know, they got to they gotta have their boarding pass, they got to have their wallet, they got to have their whatever. So they're already in heightened awareness mode and for themselves and, like, whomever they're with. So if somebody else is something's happening, they're like, oh, this is ruining my day. <laughs> like That's you know, true. Yeah. Rather than, like, like how when people, like, you know, kill themselves by jumping in front of the bar or the subway. People get mad yeah. at the person that did that because yeah. it made them late for work. Yes. <laughs> and I'm like, whoa, dude. <laughs> Probably that person was going through something. Like, they're like, yeah, but they made everybody else late for work. And I'm like, can't you tell your work that somebody literally killed themselves on the subway? I'm like, yeah, no, I'll get fired if I'm late for work. Well, you know what? Then look, watch for the news report. This first, this cut, this employee is not lying. That's why they were late for work. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but that's the thing. Nobody cares. Like, I mean, that that person who's late for work is also not wrong. Like, they'll get fired because their boss doesn't care. You know, <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're we're in a time where empathy is at an all time low, not at an all time high. Um, I don't think it's ever been at an all time high. No, uh, and. If it is, if people do have empathy, it's only for, like, what they care to have empathy for. And that's fucked up. You should have empathy for everyone. I know. Yeah. Yeah, I usually have empathy for someone unless they prove to to me that that they don't deserve it. But it's, like, very rare that somebody doesn't deserve at least an ounce of empathy, you know? Well, and then also (laughs) people give empathy to people who don't, quote, unquote, deserve it. There's no deserve to be had, you know? It's just people who are... Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah, and, like certain things can shape our way of thinking and shape our way of going about life but it's really important to see 
if something's a pattern and that pattern's not being broken and there's something broken in the system and that's why it's not being a pattern that's being broken like yeah I think that's what she's doing with like religion like obviously um once again disclaimer all of this is conjecture and etc etc but like you know analysis interpretation but every time I was listening to that album because I listened to it like on a loop a little bit (laughs) (laughs) when I was at the beach um and just like chilling by the ocean doing my thing and uh freaking yeah every time I um was listening to that album I just realized that this is somebody who understands like the kind of fallacy of being alive right now in this time period, but then also wanting to express oneself in a meaningful way. Um, yeah. So that was, that was a cool thing to experience because I just, I don't know. I realized that there was like, people really do like pick and choose what they want to empathize with. But if you have yeah. something that's like a whole like body of work, and you don't empathize with at least some of it, like, that's a little weird. It is. It's like it usually shows that there, maybe you have a little bit of psychop- psychopathy going on, yeah? <laughs> yeah, and I think, honestly, I do think that everybody has been happening after the pandemic, yeah. and if they don't, they're either remarkably well-adjusted, or <laughs> they have great health care, yeah. um, or, you know, they just, they're, like, you know, they're probably, like, very like either extraordinary people or just kind of paying attention because <laughs> yeah um, I think a lot of people I think a lot of people who don't pay attention are the happiest because it's like they just they don't realize how bad things are well um, I don't know what was it Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy there was this one concept <laughs> of SEP or not SEP 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 and it was someone else's problem. <laughs> someone else's problem. <laughs> yeah, they're at like some they're at like some baseball game or something. And they look over and there's like a commotion happening or um, some nonsense. And uh, they just ignore it. <laughs> and I'm like <laughs> and they're like, hey, like one of the characters, Arthur Dent, I think, was the main character. He's like, Hey, isn't that thing coming after us? Like, shouldn't we do something about that? And he's like, Nope, that's someone else's problem. <laughs> someone says that and he's like what do you mean what if it affects us and he's like well if it's someone else's problem someone else will fix it and then it won't affect us oh. therefore it's an SED <laughs> so, <laughs> that's accurate though that's funny <laughs> right but then sometimes that's not what happens right yeah. the problem yeah. just continues because everybody thinks it's someone else's problem oh yeah yeah, it's, it's like a vicious cycle at that point. Right. And for me personally, I don't think that someone else's problem is my problem until and unless it becomes my problem. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, it's, I have a hard time, like, I do try to take on other people's problems sometimes, but yeah, sometimes I, sometimes I will be able to distance myself. It's hard, but yeah. Especially with my twin sister, I used to take on every single problem she had mm. twice as much as I would any of my own. And um, it was uh, very, very tiring. Yeah. Fortunately, I think that I'm that person for my brothers. Oh. <laughs> At least some of them sometimes. And I feel awful about it. But then they're like, no, don't worry about it. Of course, we're here for you. And 
I still feel bad though, because I don't no. want to ruin their I don't want to ruin their lives or their happiness. Like, I specifically didn't become like a, you know, typical sister-in-law type person because I didn't want to impose on them or their problems. You know, like, yeah. like I, I'm a very laissez-faire uh, <laughs> in my family. Uh, <laughs> I think the expression translates to keep your pimp hands strong. And I don't do that to people because it's fucked up. (laughs) I would never, you know, I would never want to do that or have that inclination even because, um, you know, I don't, I don't believe that that's okay. But sometimes either it's a reaction to pain, um, emotional or physical or projection is usually most of it or it's generational. So it just kind of continues ancestral generational trauma, whatever you want to call it. Or it's hereditary. Like, there's so many things that require kind of grace and um, sort of understanding and not getting exhausted um, (laughs) by people, you know, and trying but not getting caught up in it. Or if you are trying, like, that's a good reason to keep going, you know, like, um, like, I don't necessarily want to go to commencement or my pudding ceremony later today or whatever. But I have a nephew and niece who just lost their sister and they're coming into Texas uh, from Texas tomorrow. And I want them to see their aunt walk across the stage and graduate. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, that's, I didn't want to go to the high school commencement. I really didn't, but I I mainly did it because my parents and stuff, you know, thought it would be cool and stuff. So yeah, I I get kind of doing it just to, you know, if it makes somebody else happy, that kind of makes it worth it, you know? And yeah, like other people's happiness is also, my happiness but then also like I do think other people shouldn't compromise their happiness for mine because then it'll cause resentment oh yeah yeah you know? um and I don't want to cause anybody any resentment because I already get that enough of that you know <laughs> um, yeah. and I don't want to be or bitter because gross you know I know I'm I'm working on my resentfulness and bitterness every day it's hard well, it's hard because you've been transgressed upon quite a bit and I, yeah. been told it's your fault. <laughs> yeah, I it's assume. like I, I, I tend to just, yeah, and then I just tend to stew about that too often. And it's like, okay, no. Rumination. Just, yeah. Yeah. I just need to, why am I letting this take up so much, so much of my energy? Just stop. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's hard to stop once you get the ball rolling, right? It is, yeah. Because then you're like, I've been wronged in XYZ ways. let me count the ways that I've been wronged yeah it's like there's also probably I assume ways that you've been all right or taken care of like yeah but the nature of memory is that the bad stuff hits harder it does I know and it's like that's I always thought was so screwed up that's how how the memory works but yeah it's true (laughs) and like not everybody who smiles in your face is looking out for you and not oh, yeah. everybody who yells in your face is not looking out for you, you know? Yeah, um, yeah. I had, to, yeah. I had to learn that the hard way, you know, with family, with, you know, school stuff, with work stuff. Like, everybody's got a thing, you know? Yeah. And, um, it's really rough because, like, you want to believe in the good of everyone. But if you're constantly getting rejected, it's honestly because... Probably that person doesn't need you at that moment. <laughs> that's true. And so they're not. So they're not approaching you. Yeah, and it, that's how I was in, in high school. It's like 
I always thought that I was being rejected so much, but I think it's because I was always trying to make friends with people who already had such a big friend group that it's like they didn't they didn't need me. And it's like I was taking it as like some huge personal rejection. It's like, no, it wasn't actually. <laughs> well, I do think that things are sometimes personal. They're not yeah. always, but sometimes they are. Yeah. And then also like the popular do succeed more. And the popular don't get there on their own. They get there by stepping on other people who are, quote unquote, you know, not popular. I always <laughs> thought you guys were cool because we were in Algonquin together. Oh, yeah. And that was really, I'd never even heard of the Algonquin Roundtable, like the literary whatever, you know, like, I didn't even know what that was. Like, fun for me. And it was one of the ways where I wrote and expressed myself. And I really liked that, honestly. Well, I'm, I'm really glad. Yeah, I... I, I very much enjoyed choosing an obscure name, you know, for the literary yeah. magazine, just to, just to screw with people. Yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, the uh, Nutrition Club, which was definitely not just focusing on nutrition, it was definitely a club for, like, the quote-unquote popular high schoolers. Oh. I'm like, listen, we're all at an all-girls Catholic high school, preparatory high school in California. None of us are cool, okay? Calm down. Okay, our, <laughs> our high school mascot is the Troubadour, okay? Yeah. <laughs> the latest mascot in the world. None of us are inherently popular or cool, so everybody calm their tits. True. <laughs> and then on top of that, like, it was just so odd to be, like, in a school that was like, hey, let's have a nutrition club. But then all the hot people who were already nutritiously sound were in the club. And I'm oh, like, yeah, that's, this that's, has nothing that's... to do with nutrition. This is just a popularity club. Yeah, we're going to call it a social group, something that's like really basic so that we can just kind of get together for and pretend it's for a reason. Well, <laughs> they were getting together to pretend to have parties. That's what it was. Oh, you know, okay. I'm sure. Okay. Anytime, anytime. So that's the other thing. Anytime you're feeling like rejected or forlorn or whatever, like it's because somebody else is inherently benefiting from your having been rejected. I mean... To myself, sometimes I think, am I a loser? Do I just suck? Um, maybe, sometimes, but a lot of losers who suck also have friends and go to places yeah. and have parties and do things. So <laughs> that can't be the only reason, you know? Um, I don't know. I like that LDR keeps putting out music. Speaking of interludes, before we wrap up, because this is the last episode um, before I go on hiatus, in which I take a hi- hiatus to get hot. <laughs> you know uh the interlude that i liked was the john baptiste interlude oh that one's um, not, I, I like that one too yeah and i don't know if you know this because i watched stephen colbert but uh john baptiste was the band um that stephen colbert had on the side oh I like know that. during his during his like opening monologues and stuff he would throw to them and what have you um cool yeah, it was cool. And another thing was that, like, he suddenly wasn't on, like, he was apparently, like, pretty good friends with Stephen Colbert, too, like, personally. Um, but definitely one of the things that I noticed is that he's not on there anymore. And I actually really, like, he was actually a really cool cat. And I was like, why, why isn't this guy in the band on the stage anymore? Um, I don't know. I didn't really look into it. I don't know what happened. But maybe he just, like, moved on in his career or something. Um, but the thing that I enjoyed, really, was that he talked about this one person. Her name was Suleika Jaoud, And she had 
this thing called the isolation journals, where oh. during COVID, everybody sat down and wrote a bunch of stuff. Um, cool. And so she would put out, yeah, um, she would put out those isolation journal prompts like every day. And they would talk about, um, but also how to overcome that. And like, you know, it's just like any other subscription prompt type situation. Um, but I like that she called them the isolation journals because journaling is inherently an isolation. And it is, yeah. Kind of like the way that we've been producing work and art and, you know, music in the case of Lana Del Rey is it's the privacy very quickly becomes public. Um, and so having that privacy is not just a privilege and a luxury, but it's a necessity. You yeah. Know? Sometimes isolation is a necessity. It's, um, I mean, I know that it is for me. I go, I go insane if I don't have enough isolation. <laughs> Well, it can also be a bit of a crutch, too. Um, And it can also be something that can develop into a depression rather than an isolation. I think that's the the line that I'm always towing is that I usually end up making it go into the depression zone. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, there's a fine line, right? And then also people don't give women the same grace for the isolation that they choose. They either exile them or they're like, go sit in a corner and shut up. Like, yeah, there's, there's not no... the romance of the transcendentalist for women being Dude, alone. Dude, yeah. <laughs> the long tradition of, of artists self-isolating to produce, then coming out when they're ready, and then isolating to produce. But, like, even if, let's say, you have to go into isolation because you had a breakdown, which was the case for me several times, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> even that should be fucking acceptable. Because it, yeah. yeah. <laughs> in society... But it's usually not. The last time I had, like, a weird little breakdown and had to move back in with my parents, like, the women from my community, rather than showing any grace, just freaking yabbered on and on and on and gossed about me. And then when I was in my room, like, in my parents' home, like, you know, after having done a bunch of stuff, like, in life, away from the commune and the cult, right? Yes. (laughs) they just barged into my fucking room and I'm like, what are you doing, man? Boundaries. And they started asking me a bunch of questions about my education. I started asking me a bunch of questions about where I was going. I'm like, can you back up, please? I didn't come downstairs for a reason. My mom had a party and you guys all came up here and decided to talk to me and I didn't agree to that shit. (laughs) So back up. That would, that would make me angry, just people invading my space like that. Well, in a collectivist culture, right? Because I grew up Pakistani Muslim. There are no privacy or boundaries. You know, I almost didn't have a door. You know, that's, oh how, it, that's how bad it was. Oh. Yeah, dude, like, people always want to get into my things. And that's like, you know, if you give it away, people can't take it. So I started doing a little bit more of that. Where I was like, you know, once I'm done with something or once I finish something, I give it to someone to borrow or give it to take. Because... I, I'm not scared of people, like, stealing my shit. I'm not, like, an inherently, like, you know, oh, no, this person's going to take my wealth, take my this, take my that. Oh, yeah. I'm not paranoid about that. I'm a little bit more annoyed about the, like, inside transgression. You know what I mean? Um, like, that's, that's, it feels more violent. Yeah, it's like, yeah. That's, it, that, that, would hurt, that hurts me worse than if somebody steals, like, an item of mine, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to I don't want to be violated upon because then that's going to cause me to violate upon others and I don't want to do that either, you know. Yeah. <laughs> like it's I don't know. I was talking to someone and she was talking about how avoidance is best and I'm like, but everything all the time because then you're participating in 
variety or you're social engineer in your world. So you're never going to get any variety. Yeah, that's true. So, <laughs> I don't know. And that's why people are always upset when things are like bland or boring or all the same. And I'm like, well, you kicked out all the cool people. That's what happened. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this, is what ha- this is the result you get is you get a flavorless society. <laughs> yeah, because you want every, if you make everything all homogenous, you know, like a 1984 world where everybody's the same, it's like, yeah, this, this, this is what happens. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's okay to treat people equally. But well, no one ever, yeah, that's, that's a gift, yeah, totally. Yeah. No one ever really can do that. You can, like, train them through, like, you know, whatever, quote-unquote, diversity <laughs> measures <laughs> that you have. <laughs> but even that stuff is, like, so, like, it's so flawed because it's not always going to apply to everybody all the time. There's always going to be people who can get yeah. always going to be some special consideration for whomever. Like there's always something or someone who's like going to try and stop you from it. If they see that you're like rising too high, too fast. And unfortunately for women, that's more like it is. Yeah. It's like, I don't, that's why I have little hope that we will ever have a female president. <laughs> well we did for 10 seconds we had for 10 Harris. seconds yes <laughs> and it was a blazing woman so <laughs> there we go america <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah dude i mean what's a victory mm, i don't know that's a, that's a tough question maybe maybe the maybe the former though i don't know a pyrrhic victory well, is is like empiric victory? Let me make sure because I haven't heard that expression in a long time. Let me make sure I'm not empiric victory. Oh, no, 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 you're good. Empiric okay. victory is like something that seems like you're winning, but it's really like winning a name and not really a win. Oh, okay. Well, no, no victory at all will be better. I had the wrong. Really? I, I, yeah. I think maybe I'm, maybe victory. I'm wrong about the definition. Let me look it up. Okay. Empiric victory. Yeah, inflicts such. Oh no, it's not. It's inflicts such a devastating toll on the victor that it is tantamonious to defeat. Such a victory negates any true sense of achievement or damages long-term progress. Ah, okay. Well, like that, that, <laughs> I wouldn't want that type of victory. Nope. <laughs> like graduating with an MFA in poetry, for example. <laughs> I'm just joking. I think it's beneficial because now I have raised my value. Now my vibes. Yeah. Not that my vibes were ever free. But now my vibes are uh, tantamoniously much higher. Yeah. Uh, priced. <laughs> I have a lot higher price for my vibes. They are now. Um, yeah. I don't know how much they cost now. My, somebody said 500, 500 an hour. And I'm like, sounds about right. <laughs> that would be cool. I think that I'm that, like, that 1, sounds right. 1,000 million. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? Um, yeah, I, I also think, honestly, one of the best things I, oh, I'm setting up a hammock on campus, by the way. That's what I'm oh, doing cool. right now. That sounds, that yeah. Sounds yeah. I mean, I haven't hammocked in a while and if I don't, ha- like, if I don't do something grounding, I'll wild out, which oh. I already have been over emails. In my defense, I told my brother I wanted to visit my mom and see her this weekend. So I wouldn't wild out and project on people. And, um, he didn't listen to me. So oh. that was great. Well, I'm doing okay after the. She's park. no, she's not. She Aww. like you know how you can feel it when it's your mom because we all have codependency issues with our yeah. parents and especially <laughs> daughters with their moms. Yeah. I'm like I can tell she's not okay. I asked one of my friends to go check on her, but I think my friend is sick with allergies or something. Um, 
And I mean, I'm not saying my mom has Munchausen. I don't think she causes any of her issues herself, but she definitely exhibits the like characteristic of someone who's been, you know, hurt many, 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 many times. And then, you know, when it's, when somebody is compassionate towards her, she kind of like glamps onto it, you know? Yeah. And then she gets upset when people don't pay attention because it's like, oh, like, you know, I'm hurt and you're not paying attention. But I think attention is being paid to her right now. Um, so hopefully it's good attention and not bad attention and she's getting enough food and getting enough everything that she needs because that shit sucks, man. It sucks being in a car accident at age yeah. 60, you know, like she's in her 60s. My dad's in his 70s uh. and they're wildly like, like, I don't want to say broken, but kind of like they're not doing well, you know, uh-huh. this country's really taking a toll on them. Yeah, I'm like, I keep trying to tell them you guys it's trauma informed and you guys have a lot of like stuff that you have to deal with and you know, that's probably why you're not doing so well. Like, maybe you guys should figure that out. Like, what's going <laughs> on? And they're very much like, thank you for your concern. Goodbye. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I just kind of have to, like, be patient with them, I guess. Um, yeah. I don't really know what else to do because they think that I'm so all sorts of wilding out. And I'm like, yeah, you're not wrong. Okay, we're all... <laughs> We're all in the same trauma-informed business together. Like, yeah, let's be real. <laughs> um, but yeah, sometimes you can turn your trauma into music, and that's always fun. That's always cool. That's that's always the. I think that's that's my favorite type of music. That's for sure. <laughs> What's that? All right, all right. We're going <laughs> to wrap up. Um, I should reference one of the essays if my professor has to listen to this whole thing, which I okay. don't think he will. But <laughs> let's pretend anyway. <laughs> okay. um, so, yeah. Uh, how do you feel about that essay, the one on desire? Um, I had never heard that concept of, like, not expressing your heart's desire because it might, because it might lead to God granting it sooner. Um, because he knows all things. Um and I pretty much have the opposite way of um, doing things in my life. Maybe that's what I've been doing wrong, is that I express my desires too much. Well, <laughs> I will say that my mom always says to keep her secret secret. And uh, I will say that my mom is also sometimes okay and most of the time wildly unhappy and depressed, at least oh. when I talk to her. But I do think it's a it's a cultural thing. I think she's cool when my brothers come and talk to her. I think she like expresses a lot of uh, discomfort around women because I think women are more sympathetic. So I think it's just playing up your sympathy, which uh, can be kind of a, (laughs) kind of a manipulation tactic in my opinion. Although I will say a lot of people don't really give a shit. For example, I was just hammocking right now and I um, didn't have one of my straps and I used these slack liners, one of their strap things. And um, I guess one of it, like a part of it snapped a little bit. Oh no! And then I tried to use part of the other strap, and then they got upset. And then I was like, "Okay, well, I don't have my strap, so I don't know what to do. So let me borrow it." But then got really upset, and I was like, "Okay, well, I can like Venmo you about your broken Velcro." Um, <laughs> <laughs> like I don't, I don't really know what to do in these situations because I have a right to exist and hammock on the lawn if I want to, you know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> of the university that I pay tuition to go to for four years that kind of didn't like 
yeah <laughs> kept bringing other food. To, you deserve to be there <laughs> you're yep that's true um yeah so th- were there any parts of the essay that you did like um I mean I did like that concept I mean in in theory um and I liked how it was discussing you know a CC because I was like you know reminds me of St. Francis of Assisi, who our high school is named after, and I don't know much about that locale. Um, yeah. And um, let's see. Let's see. Uh, I thought it was interesting that it was a, a, you know, between a poor man and a nobleman. I guess that's kind of classic, like, you know, the the, the simple man teaching maybe like a rich man a, a, a lesson. It kind of reminds me of Sid- Herman Hesse's Siddhartha or something, how he grew up rich and privileged and then went out to live like, you know, a poor man basically to try to learn about life so See, it, kind of, it yeah. would be a rich dude who did that only rich people know that you know that think that money isn't important <laughs> and... well see that's that's true <laughs> it's very true <laughs> and also like i've been told many many times that i was privileged because my parents were you know like they were perceived as well off when i was growing up but that's not even true uh-huh. i grew up clipping coupons and scrimping and scrounging just like everyone else because my mom grew up in a super poor part uh, poor part of Afghanistan of uh, Pakistan and uh she freaking couldn't like you know afford stuff and then my parents moved here where they thought they'd have a better life for them and their kids only to get fucked over by the long dick of racism (laughs) yep that's 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 just oh that's just illusioning (laughs) no it is it is fucked up but it's also like what are you gonna do cry about it that's what my brother always tells me what are you gonna do cry about it and i'm like yeah maybe at least yeah. a while and then i'll get up Jeez, give me a second <laughs> um but at the same time i do think that you know sitting or like also being in denial about certain stuff like if you want something it's okay to want it it sucks if somebody else takes it from you or like takes it first or you express the desire then somebody else has that the same desire then tries to take it yeah, yeah, all those things are inherently shitty. But or makes you feel guilty for having the desire at all. Or yeah, something. or ashamed. Yeah. But dude, that's such a that's such a thing that's projected onto females, dude. Like, dudes never feel bad about wanting shit and taking shit and having shit. Yeah. It's such a vibe. Yeah. And to that I say, uh, well, turnabout's fair play, man. I'm gonna take whatever I want all the time. But <laughs> I also don't want to transgress upon somebody else wanting. So if like somebody like has something i don't just want it because they have it i want it because i want to do that thing too and then also like be able to if it's like you're blocking me from doing shit that's upsetting don't do that (laughs) that's bad (laughs) (laughs) um and also like i don't know it's there's no you know imbalance of uh what's it called you can't create or destroy energy or power oh yeah you know it can only be transferred yeah it cannot be destroyed or created (laughs) yeah nothing yeah exactly and i believe that about every element in life it can't be destroyed or created it can only be transferred and that's really cool (laughs) yeah and and also like we only see part of the universe around us we don't know what else is surrounding us you know like we yeah. only perceive 10% of the known universe. Everything else is dark energy or dark matter. We're probably walking through other dimensions without even knowing it. Like that's why that's why you, yeah. That's <laughs> why that's why people who are depressed or whatever, they they're not around like enough good stuff. And that's why like I try to be around good stuff and nature and people and places and things. But I don't want to infringe upon anybody else's right to exist or their own right to be there and do their own thing either like that's not okay i want to do that you know yeah um so yeah 
it's it's hard because existing in this life is tough and especially if like everyone's really into radical self-reliance when that's not even true none of us exist in a bubble even if we like to think we do especially in individualistic society <laughs> it's true so, there's no such thing as like self-made or you know um pulling yourself up by your bootstraps that's oh gosh giant yes. oh, hated expressions yep <laughs> yeah it's a huge myth and everybody brings something to the table even if they and even if they don't they still have a right to exist so very true i don't know man cindy or i mean sorry d <laughs> i think that it has been a wonderful time with you and i hope that anybody and everybody who listens to this knows that they have a right to exist yes and if they're taking up space and somebody else is yelling at them for taking up space that's not okay nope um but also if you can allow somebody else to have space that is exhibiting grace and exhibiting some type of like real real like realness and that's really really important and it can't just be selective it has to be like for people you don't even really want to have space because you don't like them or whatever like even that is okay because we're all different and everybody has a different view and perspective on things that's true (laughs) yeah and you're allowed to change it like i might not like lana del rey's album next year i might hate her and that's okay (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's okay i might be like this you know (laughs) i might just get all upset about it but i don't want to i don't want anything to shift or change my perspective in a negative way only in like positive ways um but I don't know, man. I I hope that this episode 69, <laughs> because uh, that's what this episode's going to be. It's going to be the 69th episode, even though that's very Elon Musk humor and uh, he ruined it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, wait, why does he get to have this type of humor and everyone's okay with it? Because he has Tesla. Well, that's nonsense. Everybody's allowed to have every type of humor all the time. Yeah. And that's very important. So, <laughs> Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Do you want to say anything else about the album, life, the universe, everything? Um, I guess I just want to tell women songwriters, please keep writing your own songs and be as honest and embarrassing as you want to be, because that's the, that, I want to hear it. So yeah, if there's any budding songwriters out there, please don't be embarrassed. We want to hear it. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to make that the tagline for the episode for like the description. If there's okay. any women songwriters out there write it yes do it it. all that good shit (laughs) love to hear it all right square hive and d peace out bye bye